Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us, a journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. Welcome to an episode of our show in which we are doing things and talking about things. Actually, hold on. I did have kind of a bit. I just wanted to, on theme with opening and drinking things. Is that baby food? It's applesauce. Oh my gosh. It's a pouch of applesauce. (sighs) That was like 80% of that in one gulp. (laughs) Ah... just gonna put that back over there all right so being a father has given you the palate of a a toddler a a child we eat what we can when we can and it's usually baby food (laughs) i eat the crust that i cut off for his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches he's eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches oh yeah it's one of the messiest things in the world um he he like so we we make the pb and j sandwich we cut the crust off we cut it into little bits for him, and then he picks them up and throws them on the ground, and then comes and walks over to me to wipe his jammy peanut buttery fingers all over my shirt. He wanted peanut butter and honey. You can't give honey to a child who's less than one years old. Isn't he one year old now? He is. And okay. on, on his birthday, I made him a peanut butter and honey sandwich. Really? Yeah, I did. It was his first peanut butter and honey sandwich. Uh, it was worse than the PB and J. It was sticky. I was trying to give some sort of rationale to your son, but he is an illogical creature. It was sticky everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. You'll never look at a jar of peanut butter or honey, honey the same. Yeah. We got rid of all honey in our house after that. And then I took him to the comic book store. And I got him an Avatar Last Airbender poster. Oh. And then I got him a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is he uh is he reading it yet? Yeah. He's Very already bright he's kid. already gone through it. We're getting the ne- the next volume. Yeah. He's gonna um you know, be a more proficient reader and writer than Lorna McDougal's husband. Oh yeah? Yeah. And most people can. All they have to do is spend 30 days out in the cabin. Just send your, your child for 30 days out into a, uh, a cabin, and he'll come back a New York Times best-selling, best-selling Pulitzer Prize-winning author. Bullshit. It's a bunch of bullshit is what it is. You know what's not bullshit? Our lovely listeners. Yeah. Particularly a couple of them. Shall we? Shall we call them out publicly? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you want to start us off here? We have a couple of emails that we have not gotten to. I think one of them was because we got it right after we recorded an episode. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, dang, that would have been great to read on air. So here we are yep. three weeks after the fact. Um, Jesus, oh, wow. I'm sorry. Is it telling you that you it's time to read it? Is that what you were doing? Yeah, my phone's like, read it. Read it fast. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to scour the internet to see if anybody's left comments on like any any website where people could leave comments for our show. Oh, you mean reviews, not comments. Well, I just want to shout out Tony 
who is like my new favorite listener um, because he wrote in dear bookworms i love your show by the way bookworms is spelled with a y Bookworms. I, I can't really pronounce. Is that how you pronounce it when That's it has a Y? I'm going to pronounce it so that people understand that it's cooler. He's doing it the right way. And now there's competition for Ghoul Gang, <laughs> the Bookworms. I kind of like the Bookworms. I know you do. Okay, because you've I'm, always I'm... hated the Ghoul Gang and its coolness. The cool Ghoul Gang. Yes, I'm just jealous. <laughs> Dear Bookworms, I love your show. I love it like Asimov loved butts, like Stan Lee loved Joan, and like C.S. Lewis loved a senior citizen. Hold <laughs> up. <laughs> That's just the best intro Absolutely. ever. Absolutely. Yep. So, Tony, uh, you win. Uh, he goes on to wish us a, a terrific Christmas and New Year holiday. Uh, he said he was hoping to submit a short story uh, and and to recommend the short story that inspired it, but he realized that we hadn't posted any episodes in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were on a break. Yep. We talked about this. We were on a break. <laughs> so, Tony, um, if you still have a short story, you know, send it in. We always want to read what you guys are working on. And, yeah. you know, it can be Halloween all year long or a different genre if you've got something. Um, so we'd love to hear from you. And, yeah, he ended by saying enough fanboying. Thanks for creating a terrific show. Tony, there's never enough fanboying. There's never enough so. fanboying. You can fanboy forever. Yes. Like, just write a whole novel about <laughs> us, which I'm pretty sure Dave Vaughn was going to try and do as well. Yes. Some sort of like fan fiction. Mini. It, it was going to be a short story, I think. Yeah. So, Devani, you need to get on that. Maybe contact this Tony guy. You guys He's can a real fan. <laughs> yeah. He's a very good writer. He created he the book firms. So. It's it comes off of the mouth feel so well too. Book yeah. verbs. So. I don't like when people talk about the mouth feel of words. <laughs> Serendipish. I don't know if that's a word. Serendipitous. I just, that's what I meant to say. Serendipish. Serendipish. It sounds like a British woman's name. Sarah Tippish. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's look at Podchaser real quick and see if they got anything. <laughs> um, between Liz and Lovecraft podcast, um, we've got six rates on this show. Um, just want to look at, I want a sticker is one of them. I, think I feel I've like seen we never one. delivered on that we promise. Never, ever have we ever, um, view all reviews. Um, April fourteenth, two thousand twenty-one. That was that was the latest one, I think. On Podchaser? No, wait. October fourth, two thousand twenty-two. This is what our most recent one. Well, to be fair, we haven't posted much since then. Uh, this is a long one. This is a long review. It's a five-star review. <gasps> There are many informative podcasts out there that are dry as dust, boring, and even more fun ones that are short on facts and accuracy. Accuracy. There's probably short on accuracy as well. I, um, I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> a show like Between Lewis and Lovecraft that has both well-researched and really entertaining is a unicorn of rarity. I think both of us are one half of that unicorn. Yeah. You're the horse and I'm the horn. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah has a voice like honey. Ooh. Is a, is immac immaculate? 
I don't know if I'm I've reading that word right. So. Is that immaculate? <laughs> Second paragraph right there. Um. Yeah. Immaculate, right? Yeah. I just want to make sure. It's a big word. So <laughs> is immaculate in her research. She is a journalist and an infectious sense of humor coupled with a perfect professional delivery. Oh, I, I do have a boyfriend, whoever this <laughs> writer is. Psy23. Uh, Psy. Uh, and if you think all committed Christians are sanctimonious blue noses, Ty, with his hilarious fake voices and self-deprecating humor, will soon change your mind. And he has the writing chops to back up his opinions. Check out his Pennylitch fiction, and you'll see what I mean. I have no idea who this is, but you are literally my favorite person right now. <laughs> Between them, they have yet to put out a single show that is anything but brilliant. Oh, man, I feel like we've tried our best sometimes, but... But the only bad thing I can say about this show is that lately they have been making noises about rebooting their earlier works to bring them in line with the style of their later output. I really hope they drop this idea. The earlier episodes may not be quite as slick as the more recent ones, but... They have a real charm of their own and should not be messed with. I love this person. This Very thoughtful. This small, negative apart, a completely fantastic podcast. If you have any interest in literature, it's one you'd be crazy to miss. Side 23. Side 23. Write to us and reveal who you are because you're our new best friend. This is... I, I'm genuine. I'm not putting on a bit i'm not doing any i've never i did i've not seen this before this is one of the best things i've ever seen come out of our show uh so thank you whoever psi 23 is i'm gonna print that out and put it by my desk i i save all of my like hate comments that i get because i think they're <laughs> funny but i think this would be good for me to save yeah a little bit of fan mail you know bit. I can't. I'm genuine. I'm kind of shocked right now. That's a that's a really good review. I'm, I feel all warm and fuzzy, and I don't think it's just the whiskey that you give me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that's crazy. Thank you, Psy Twenty Three, for those really kind words. That was so nice. Um, uh, we. I guess we're gonna. We have to drop the idea of of redoing those old episodes now. Yeah, that Nobody was well thought been, out. Yeah. Compelling. They really just appealed to us our ego. Then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last email that um, we wanted to read was something um, adding to our last episode. Right. So uh, if you listen, it was about Lewis Carroll, the author of Alice in Wonderland. Um, and Alan Smith, longtime listener who and has written in. He has contributed several times. And contributor, times fantastic yeah. writer in his own right. Mm -hmm. um, he sent us a note after that episode um, was released saying, just to let you guys know, the game of rugby was invented at rugby school, which is how the sport gets its name. Yeah. Uh, and then I looked it up afterwards and he's absolutely right. I think it was invented around the same time that Lewis Carroll went there too. Really? Yeah. It like ah. started out informal and then yeah. the rules actually got written down at some point after he'd been there. Let's create a game so that we can tackle that guy over there. <laughs> yes. They're pointing like, at Lewis Carroll. The most violent game in England, I'd wager. Is it? 
I, it's super. Have you ever seen people play rugby? Yeah, my best friend used to be a rugby player in high school. It's terrifying. The girls who play rugby are even scarier. They are. Yeah, I I had friends that were girl rugby players, and they were not to be messed with, because if you pissed off one of them, you pissed oh, off no. all of them, and then they just like come and tackle you real fast, and they disperse so quick. It's bad. Oh. It's bad. Do not mess with Don't. girl rugby players. I, I never Look, guys, would. if there's one thing that we can teach <laughs> you in this show, don't mess with girl rugby players. They will they will get you in the hallways. Tyler's a dad, so this is yeah. like dad advice. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I put that, you know those, the vinyl lettering that you can do on the walls of your house? Most of the time it's like the Christian ones, like, like you know, pray for joy and a new lexus or whatever it is and like <laughs> live laugh love and you can like etch it into your wall i have that but don't mess with girl rugby players i respect that yeah. more i think it's unique <laughs> but as long as it's in Took like a cursive, lot of money it yeah. still looks really very profound. cursive deeply cursive <laughs> tyler clausen deeply cursive <laughs> and i do have to fact check myself on air um so the game was first played in 1823 and the rules were formalized in 46 the same year that lewis carroll was there oh okay. so it was invented before he got there right yeah they invented the tackling game and then when by the time he got there it was like hey if we're gonna keep doing this, let's let's make some rules. Yes, let's put and it down name it after this terrible abusive school we go to. I mean, that makes sense though. Yes, it makes sense that rugby, the most violent game, was born out of the most violent school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, there you go. So today's episode is super chill, other than you know reading some really good reviews and eating applesauce drinking applesauce drinking applesauce yeah hold on let me finish this up real quick oh my god this is disturbing to watch why is everything in a pouch these days <sighs> it's pretty much gone hold on yeah i just gotta get those it's tart it's nice and tart makes you salivate a little bit you know what i mean <laughs> It's a little I think sour, all food little is supposed sour. to make you salivate a little bit. No, but it's that it's that sweet sour taste, you know. You're thinking about it now. It's You're green getting apple all salivated, sauce, isn't it? No, I don't. I've never liked applesauce. Really? Like mm -hmm. at all? Never. I love it. You throw a little cinnamon on there. Wow. And it just. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, applesauce makers. Welcome Send us to your Between the Lines Lovecraft, where we talk about applesauce for 30 minutes. <laughs> What do we actually have to talk about today? We're, well, we're we're gonna. I we need to talk a little bit more about Lewis Carroll here. Um, let's talk about Alice in Wonderland mm -hmm. specifically. We got into his, you know, extracurricular activities last time. Um, we didn't talk a, a super ton about like, I, I guess just in general. Like, do you like? Alice in Wonderland. I don't actually. Really? I do not like this style of writing, and I'm not sure what you would actually categorize it as, like the kind of nonsensical, nonsensical, whimsical, yeah. over the top. Like obviously, it's very smart because he he was a brilliant guy who had a a, a brain like I can't even imagine. Like he invented word games and math games and puzzles and all of that stuff. Um, but I, I just don't I don't like the whimsy. 
Mm. I'm a very serious person, Tyler, and I want my <laughs> stories to be serious too. But no, I, I. She says to a humor author <laughs> of fantasy. I I find it frustrating all of the characters in Alice in Wonderland because they're just like they say things that don't make sense, but then right. they try to like, and then they just move on. Yeah, and one of the um, passages that really stood out to me when I was reading it was when she's talking to the Cheshire Cat one of the times. Yeah. And um, she asks the Cheshire Cat how he knows he's not mad. And he says, to begin with, said the cat, a dog's not mad. You grant that? I suppose so, said Alice. Well, then, the cat went on. You see, a dog growls when it's angry and wags its tail when it's pleased. Now I growl when I'm pleased and wag my tail when I'm angry. Therefore, I'm mad. And I'm reading that and I'm like, that doesn't mean <laughs> that doesn't mean you're crazy. <laughs> but he, he like everything's presented like it's totally logical and I'm like right. just because a dog growls when it's angry and you growl when you're happy or vice versa I'm like it doesn't make any sense. So you're having trouble with the non-logical. Yes. But like it's presenting like logic. Yes. And everyone just accepts all the crazy shit going on and I'm like this isn't normal. Yeah, I've never been excited about anything Alice in Wonderland ever. Um, you know, I watched the cartoon, the Disney cartoon as a kid, and then there's like remakes, and I'm like, okay, and uh, and like and but it like seems to permeate into everything, and like it's the idea that it's like so whimsical, and. And it has, like, you know, the big stoner following because it's yeah. kind of, like, trippy and psychedelic. Yeah, because there's a caterpillar smoking hookah, <laughs> dude. Obviously, that's drugs, my guy. Yeah, and there's all sorts of theories about that. But I think what I was reading was that C.S. or not C.S. Lewis, Lewis <laughs> Carroll, like, there's not any evidence that he was into psychedelics or anything. I yeah, mean, he I had a lot of varied interests and he had lots of books about medicine and anatomy and the occult even. Really? Like back in the t same time that um, Arthur Conan Doyle was super into the occult. Like right. I think everybody was just kind of into the occult back then. Except for Houdini. Not into the occult? No, he Seems was. Seems like he, he should have been. He was into it for the opposite reason though. He Houdini was like all about disproving I remember occult. we talked about this on the Sherlock Holmes episode yes yeah. Okay. yeah he was like super against it and made it like a life goal to like actually disprove spirituality mm -hmm. I don't know if it went as far as like religion or Christianity but more like specifically the occult fad that was kind of happening at the time interesting which is another whole like I find it really interesting that there's like we can look back at that time and go, yeah, it was like it was a phase. It was a fad of spirituality. But for them, it was like it's this moment in time where they're like, no, we, we're finding the truth. We've become such a good society that we're able to find the truth in this new way. And it's really I, I've always been. um moral subjectiveness i guess subjector I, I like the idea that like morality is subjective to whatever time frame you're in right there's different different times have different morals and you can sit here and say well this is this is bad this has always been bad people just didn't know it back then it's like no that's not how that works we think it's bad because it's a part of our culture 
And so like now we're at a phase where we have all these like ideas of what truth should be or what how culture should be and we're like we're such a good people now that we're going to be this way and this way and and our our politics they have to go this way or else we're bad people and i'm like you know people used to like think that these three sisters were chasing fairies around <laughs> Their with backyard. their weird like 1800s photoshop yeah picture. and and they and that was them trying to be that was them having evidence that they were a a higher state of being society that was on the verge of new enlightenment so like i, I don't know maybe it's a little bit of cynicism but i'm like I just get really tired of listening to people talk about oh we're we're so great because we live in an age when blah 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 it's like bro look at look <laughs> at Conan Doyle and Lewis Carroll apparently this is like, just your version of the 1800s fairies <laughs> yeah so it's just I don't know I, I get into it quite a bit with people when it especially when it comes down to like a, a moral like this has always been bad <clears throat> like, like taking pictures of naked children yeah yeah. It's always been bad to take pictures of naked No, girls. it has not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to totally. leave this in the past. <laughs> um, <laughs> where did we go? Where did, This is fun. This is a fun Where did episode. we start? Oh, we were just we were talking, talking about, about the things we do whimsical. and don't like. We were talking about whimsy and how like much whimsy. we hate it. I am not yeah. a whimsical person. And, and it's interesting because like, I love Miyazaki, right? And that's kind of whimsical. It's very whimsical, um, and it's and it's very soft world building sort of style of telling a story. Um, I was talking to some friends of mine, and I'm probably going to talk about it on a bit much, but the idea of creating Cotton Eye Joe characters. What know, does that mean? You know, like the song. Where did yes. you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Is this like a term though? Like no, I made <laughs> no, it okay, up. I'm... I made it up. So what is a Cotton Eye Joe character? Cotton Eye Joe character is a character that is important to the story, or at least the main character. But they are not important enough, or it's it, it. Their background is not important enough to talk about. Where did they come from? Where where are they gonna go? Who like what do what are they? One of the most iconic characters in Miyazaki is No Face. Um, if you've watched Spirited Away, No Face is a character that shows the main character's um, like personality because he's offering her gold, right? He's like, please take this gold. And she's like, no, I'm good. She It shows her innocence and her purity, right? And when he throws a temper tantrum and eats half of the bathhouse in the cartoon, she's kind of like, hey, stop it. And then and then stops it and then forgives him and takes him in as a friend and helps him find a place to go to next. And it just shows her character. This character is important to her or is important to the story because it shows her so much. But you cannot tell me what no face is, where he came from, why he does what he does. He just is. He just exists to help us as the audience understand the story more. And you see a lot of that in, uh, I mean, uh, another example is um, 
talking uh, frick, Pom, Tom Bombadil. Oh, well, that's why Peter Jackson cut him out of the <coughs> movies because... He was completely yes. cotton-eyed Joe. Like, there's nothing about him that's important outside of he shows what the ring is capable of and not capable of. So there, there was... Uh, quite a bit of symbolic importance to Tom Bombadil in the story of Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. But other than that, don't give a shit. I mean, we do give a shit. It's like a mystery and we're all like, what if he's another (laughs) wizard? What if he's the incarnation of the blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, we do actually care, but actually it doesn't matter. And the problem is that almost all the characters in Alice in Wonderland, in Alice in Wonderland are cotton-eyed Joe characters. And so it's hard to take any of it seriously because you have to have a character that is like important and we care about where they end up. Mm-hmm. You can't have everyone be cotton-eyed Joe and be like, yeah, they're here now and see you later. We're moving on. It just becomes a tourist attraction, a museum of weird, random shit. Mm-hmm. And... That's not fun for me, I guess. I think that's a good explanation of maybe why I don't like it. But also, I think it's mostly the the whimsy. Because I, <laughs> I, I also don't like Miyazaki movies very much. I don't, I've gotten to this stage where I don't really like anything that's not about humans. Yeah. Like, very straightforwardly about humans. I Like, when I was a kid, <clears throat> I used to like the first Lord of the Rings the best because it had the most monsters in it. Sure. Now it's my least favorite because I just want to see, like, the humans sort out their problems. Right. Um, and I don't know why that is. Like, some people, <laughs> some adults stay into that forever. And I'm just like, nope, I'm over animals that talk and, yeah. you know, creatures that don't exist. Well, but that's what's great about, like, Princess Mononoke for Miyazaki like it's got a bunch of talking wolves and weird creatures and shit but ultimately it's a human story it's about the corruption of the human heart and getting back to nature and all that jazz I mean I could go on and on about fucking Princess Mononoke (laughs) it's one of the greatest animes ever made I watched that one when we were doing the (laughs) Miyazaki episode was that a hard one for you to watch no, I honestly like that one a lot better than I liked Spirited Away. I think I watched Spirited Away when I was in college or something. Yeah. And I remember just being like, I don't get why everyone's obsessed with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of Rebecca's favorites. Um, she likes uh, Howl's Moving Castle the most, um, which I get. It's That's like a romance. It's a lot more of a of like a, a, a romantic story and with fantasy elements to it. So I, I totally get that. Gotcha. Do you like any of the film adaptations of Alice in Wonderland, or does your opinion remain the same across medium? I It's funny because I don't like, like, so you've got, you know, you've got the cartoon, and then you've got the uh, the live action that they did, uh, you know, what, like 15 years ago? Oh my god, I feel so old now. Yeah. And... <clears throat> It's funny because what I don't like about the remakes, the live actions, is that they got rid of most of the whimsy that was in the original. <laughs> and I'm like, it, and it's not because I I like that. It's not because I'm like, oh, I need the whimsy. It's because I'm like, this is really taking what I think is important about um, this show, this movie, this story, 
and you're turning it into Twilight. Like you're that's what it felt like they were trying to do is make it a a like a dark <gasps> The Tim Burton version? Yeah. Like they did it with they did it with that. They did the the um the Snow White one. The Huntsman. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. With like, Chris Hemsworth. With oh Chris my God. Hemsworth and Kristen Stewart. I forgot that Kristen Stewart is very unmemorable. I'm sorry. Yeah. Come at me. But it's like those those movies came out around the same time, I feel like, and they were almost the same. Like this girl who should not be ends up being like the the leader of an army or some shit. I feel like I remember, I don't know, maybe there wasn't a lot of whimsy because I feel like now that I'm thinking about it, because I went and saw it in theaters, and I feel like maybe I was high when I saw it because I'm like getting flashes of there being weird things happening. I'm like, I think it was. Did weird. that happen? Because I don't remember now. If I wasn't Anne Hathaway in one yeah, of them, yeah, Anne Hathaway was the White Queen. That's racist. Um, it is Overthrow is she her. in the first one or the second one or both? I think she's in both because I don't think I watched the second one, but I do remember Anne Hathaway. And then Helena Bottom Carter was the Red Queen. Johnny yeah, Depp classic. was playing every single Johnny Depp character again in that. Yeah. Like I, I was so sick of Tim Burton by that time because I was like, every <laughs> single movie is like the same. Nothing's yeah. cool like Edward Scissorhands anymore or right. unique. And Johnny Depp was just always the same. Like uh, Willy Jack Wonka. Sparrow. Well, or the like overly made up Willy mm. Wonka type um, Johnny Depp. And I'm like give this man something else to do. Yeah. Did you ever hear about, this is a super tangent, but we can do that on these episodes. <laughs> Did you ever hear about um, the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie? Um, Gene Wilder is, is uh, Willy Wonka. And it was Gene Wilder's idea. You've seen it, right? Yeah, I love I that mean, version. It's a classic, right? Um, it was Gene Wilder's idea to do the little um, flip at the beginning when he comes out and then he puts his staff his cane down and then he kind of leans forward and goes to fall but then he flips forward and then like presents himself up and Gene Wilder said I want this to happen I want this to be the first time ever the audience and these characters see Willy Wonka and they're like, why? And he's like, because from that moment on, you can't trust a single thing that man says. Because he lied to you before he even spoke. Oh, my gosh. That's and brilliant. I, it blows my <laughs> fucking mind. Like, it's so good. It's such good. Like, it's good acting. It's good writing. It's good performance. It's good storytelling because the rest of that movie, when you think about it, the rest of that movie, you're like, is this guy like bad is he good what's happening i don't understand i love it that's amazing i did not know that story yeah uh even more respect for gene wilder now right that's that pretty, guy was awesome that's pretty impressive when the actor like gets so into the role and knows the character so well that they can actually tell the director or writers like hey we should do it this way and it makes it 10 times better now and that's that's me like kind of giving like third hand um, information. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe the source I heard it from got it wrong. Maybe it was the director that did it. Maybe it was in the book. I don't know. But 
but I had that's what I heard, and I I really like that idea. Whatever whatever way it happens, I I like that it happened that way. Very cool. Yeah, uh, that was random. That was super random. We're going <laughs> back and back and back and back. We were talking about. I didn't like that they took the whimsy out of, um, the remakes, and it, was it wasn't dark. Because, I remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And they did some weird stuff with Alice where, like, she's, like, always had dreams. And she she's, like, in conflict, not conflicted, in, infected with dreams or something. And then she finally makes her way into the dreamland. And I was like, what? <laughs> can we, can we, ju- do we have to make a big deal out of it? Like, in the book, she just straight up sees a rabbit and is like, let's go. Yeah. You're right. You're making a movie about Wonderland. You don't need to give us anything. Just be like, "Hey, here's a girl. There's a rabbit. Let's go." It's kind of like the not to take it back to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but the like daddy issues arc that they randomly gave to Willy Wonka in the remake. Oh, I never even watched the remake. Oh, you didn't go- watch no, the remake? No, I was. Uh. I've also was not into Tim Burton at the time. And it looked awful. Yeah, it it was not good. Um, but they gave uh, Willy Wonka some like PTSD stuff, where he would randomly like something would happen, and he'd stare off into the distance and get this dark look on his face. And then eventually, we find out that like his dad was a dentist and never let him eat candy, and he put him in like this head contraption to give him perfect teeth or whatever. And oh when he got Halloween candy or something, his dad took it and he threw it in the fire. And just this child, Willy Wonka, is watching the candy go up in flames. And it's so sad. What the hell? Totally. I, I worry about Tim Burton and his relationship with his father. I don't know if we talked about that on, uh, on that our episode? episode with him, but I don't know. He does that, that in a lot of, lot of movies. Now, I know that like <laughs> Willy Wonka, this is so random <laughs> how this episode has turned into a Willy Wonka episode. <laughs> This episode was supposed to be about. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me Lewis Carroll didn't write Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? No, he didn't. What? We need to we need to do that author because it's a whole series. Willy Wonka is a whole series. I didn't know that. The Chocolate Factory is the first book, and then it keeps going on. They go to space. Space. Yeah. So I feel like maybe that stuff might be from another book. Maybe, but I think it's also just from Tim Burton's it head. It could just be Tim Burton. Yeah, being like, oh, we need to give him perfect teeth. And they're like, why? Why are we in perfect teeth? Because uh, he had daddy issues? Childhood trauma. Bam. <laughs> I made Nightmare Before Christmas. Do not question me. That's <laughs> such a good run. And then once he got successful, it was it was all downhill from there. <laughs> um. Okay. What? If you had to get, if you had to get an Alice in Wonderland tattoo, what How would did it I be? know you were going to say tattoo? Because everybody oh. gets Alice in Wonderland tattoos. It's really? insane. I've seen so many of them. Oh, my God. Okay, well, you tell me yours first. I would well, I get, think- I'd get uh, like a, I'd get the rabbit with the time, with the time clock thing holding it and he'd be like sitting there with his foot like tapping his foot like let's go that would be mine and i'd get it i don't know i'd i'd get it like right on my arm so that i'd i'd you know what i would get i'd get i'd get a watch with a little rabbit poking out 
and that I get that on my left amazing. wrist. Yeah, <laughs> a wristwatch. And it says, and it says, "You're late." It doesn't actually have time on it. it just says, "You're late." <laughs> Man. <laughs> I'd probably just get like a sassy eat me tattoo. Because <laughs> that's how I feel tattoo. about this requirement to choose an Alice in Wonderland tattoo. <laughs> I'd get I'd get a, a, a portrait, you know, on my left bicep. <laughs> and it's just a, a redrawing of one of Lewis Carroll's nude photos that he took oh and then when everyone's like that's disgusting be like it was fine at the time it wasn't bad at the time i feel like the tattoo artist would like say okay i'll do that go into the other room call the cops call on you and then you'd get arrested before you got the tattoo it was fine at the time victorians put this shit on their christmas he cards didn't have sex with them i swear <laughs> you know, as a funny coincidence, uh, this past weekend was the weekend before fa- Valentine's Day, and um, I was making Valentine's with uh, some of Talon's family, and his grandma brought over all these boxes of, like, crafting supplies and papers. Yeah. And some of the papers that she had were, like, Victorian-style naked Cupid babies. What? <laughs> yeah, in the shape of a heart. Oh, and no. I was like, this is... <laughs> Makes you think. <laughs> Naked Cupid Naked babies. Naked Cupid babies. <laughs> Who thought, let's make the God of love a naked little baby? They're pure. Wh- when- They're pure and innocent. So obviously they should represent sex. <laughs> Were you, did you watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. It's like it reminds me of the painting that Jerry does of Leslie oh, yeah, and Tom. Uh, Tom is the naked baby. <laughs> the naked baby, yeah. That is uh, that's one of the best episodes I think in the show. Really? Yeah, it has one of my favorite moments, which is she's stolen the the painting because uh, if you guys haven't watched Parks and Rec, uh, Leslie Nope is the main character. Um, they've introduced a couple of new characters that season, I think. Um, and one of them is Ben Wyatt. And Ben is like this super nerdy accountant guy. And he originally showed up to kind of like cut all the all the budgets. So he and Leslie don't like each other at first. But slowly they start to kind of like each other. Um, and he ends up moving in with a couple of characters. And sh- so in this episode, uh, <clears throat> Jerry is like the office screw up. He enters a painting into a, a contest or something. Yeah, some sort Charity of art show. Or yeah, and uh, and so when they all go to kind of support it, um, they go and look at Jerry's, and it turns out he's a very good painter, like it, like very good, and he does a uh, Dionysus painting, uh, uh, the great hunter centaur um, goddess, um, and to call upon that character he you know kind of in his mind brought forth a face that would be representative of a strong female person which ended up being leslie nope his boss um and so 
and he decided to draw her in the nude. Uh, <laughs> so the bottom half is all centaur, it's all horse, but the top half is nude. And, you know, they blur it out in the show, but, you know, the, it's supposed to be I thought the there. hair was, like, really long and kind of covering the boobs in the painting. Maybe. I didn't pay that much attention <laughs> to it, you know, as I'm watching it with my wife. I'm not like, hold on, can you hold, pause hold real quick? Pause. Can I Zoom in on the boobs. Um, <laughs> if you look at that pixel, it looks like... Um, <laughs> But like, but uh, but Leslie is uh, very flattered by this, right? She she likes the way it looks, and then um, and of course they realize that a Cupid baby that's flying around looks exactly like one of their <laughs> other coworkers, Tom. Um, and so she decides that this is a great painting, but of course there's conflict in every story, and the conflict is the Christians. The, the Christian association of the town says we have to burn it. Which and... is just like one lady and her gay husband. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, <laughs> and so that becomes a whole fight. So she ends up stealing the painting. Uh, Leslie steals the painting because she's like, fine, just don't show it. And they're like, no, we have to burn it because of bestiality was their thing. Um, and so she steals it, takes it all the way to her friend's house um, to hide it there. And that's who Ben is now living with which she didn't know and they're they have this awkward exchange where she's like pulling it into the into the room and uh and this is all setting up this one moment that i absolutely love <laughs> where leslie has to go make a phone call or take a phone call she she's put the painting up against the wall so so you can't see it and Ben is left standing in the room with this painting while Leslie goes and takes this call. The camera pans over and you see Ben like shifting awkwardly and like slowly making his way to look at a naked pose of Leslie. And eventually he just kind of like gives up and like looks around and that's when she comes around to see it. And I crack up every time at that part. I don't know what it is. It sounds so stupid now that I'm explaining it, but like that moment is so funny to me. Like the idea that like the person that you have a crush on just brought over a massive naked naked painting of themselves and leaves it in a room with you and now you're like I have to just see it. I just have to <laughs> see what it looks like, but to do that I have to like pull it off the wall to look and it's very awkward. So I'm a weird guy, and that's the kind of humor that gets me. It's a great episode, and I, I'm glad that this episode of our show has turned into the Parks and Rec <laughs> fan it's club. It's a chill episode. We can talk about whatever we want. It is a want. chill episode. Let's talk yeah, about Willy Parks Wonka again. Yeah, right? <sighs> <laughs> no, I mean, was there any other territory left untread with Lewis Carroll? Did you ever find out more about uh, the time Alice met Peter Pan boy? Uh, no, I didn't look into any more of that. I mean, I, I didn't want to revisit that story. It was so sad. It was so sad. It started out, like, so charming. And then yeah. it's just like, and he killed himself. And then he killed himself. Like, oh. Threw himself in front of a train. You know, that had to be some deeper underlying issues, not Peter Pan related. I think it was Peter Pan related. I genuinely think that he had spent his entire life being compared to a fictional character that he couldn't live up to. Nobody saw him for who he was. So he how realized there's possible back before we even had the internet. Like, how did everybody who met him know he was Peter Pan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just relaying the facts. Oh, right? just relaying the facts. Here's the facts, okay? <laughs> I can go Byron Scabies real fast. 
and do some some conspiracy stuff. Byron <laughs> Scabies. Did he have scabies? No, it's just his name. What is scabies? I, I think I made it up when no, I made sca- what, scabies is a real thing. That's a real thing. Yeah, I did not know. But that. I don't. It's like a condition or something. It's spelled like scabies, so I wonder if it involves scabs on your body. Is it just scab with a Y? I E S. I E S. Yes. Scabies. Uh, a contagious. Oh, intensely shit. itchy skin condition caused by a tiny burrowing mite. Ew. Ew. So you accidentally gave Byron your Alex Skate. Jones well, uh, I... impression a very good name. His name is spelled with a V. Oh, Scavies. Yeah. Should have been Scavies. Nah. Now it just sounds like <laughs> Scavies. But it's not. Let me burrow in. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't look further into the Peter Pan thing. There's a whole play that was written about them, like meeting. So I don't, I don't need to fucking look into it. Go watch the play. How are we supposed to watch the play? I have, they're closing the most popular Broadway shows of all time right now in this economy. They're not Which gonna, ones? Like um, Hamilton? I think Phantom of the Opera is no. like ending its run after being the longest running Broadway show. They're ever. gonna get rid of Antonio Banderas as Is the he Phantom? the Phantom right now? Have you never seen Antonio Banderas as the Phantom? I don't Broadway. It, it, I don't either, but even I've seen Antonio Banderas as the Phantom of the Opera. The last thing I saw and Antonio Banderas's face in was Spy Kids. <laughs> That's that's your Antonio Banderas? Yeah. Have you ever seen The 13th Warrior? No. <gasps> I said the last thing I've seen Antonio Banderas' face in was Spy Kids. I'm not joking. 13th Warrior is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Really? Yeah. It's based off of a Michael Crichton book, too. Really? The Eaters of the Dead. Wow. I don't know how closely it follows the book. All I know is the movie is fantastic and has nothing to do with... Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> I mean, in in a sense, it's it's kind of related to Alice in Wonderland in that uh, an Arab exile follows a rabbit hole all the way to Scandinavia and has to uh, join a group of warriors as they fight off um, an invasion and a witch that is leading a group of cannibals to kill an entire countryside of people. You can really connect anything if you try hard enough. Yeah, I can. Okay. But is it whimsical? No. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why which is why I like it. You should you should go watch it though for real. It came out at the, like the same time as Gladiator, so nobody knows about it. You know what I finally watched that everybody in the world has already realized is an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. What Interstellar? You just watched it. I'm like ten years late to the party. Wh- Great movie, fantastic. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat for what two hours so and forty minutes. What took you so long? I don't know. Are you just, are you like me? Are you a post hipster? Like you can't get into something until everyone's like, ah, we're done with it now. No, I don't think I 
consciously tried to avoid that movie. Like, I was aware that it was a movie that a lot of people liked, and I just never watched it. And then the other night, Talon and I were looking for something to watch, and Interstellar comes across the screen. And I always say no whenever he wants to watch something, because usually he chooses, like, the most violent movies ever. Nice. Um, And then he said that one, and I'm like, sure. So then I got introduced to Interstellar. And boy, is that a star-studded cast. Do you know how many famous actors are in there? Yeah, it's awesome. I like, there was an interview where um, where Matt Damon was talking about um, when uh, uh, Christopher Nolan was asking him to do the part that he was playing. And he's like, hey, I don't know if I should do this part. Christopher Nolan's like, why? He's like, because I you're asking me to play an uh, astronaut who's been stranded on a planet by himself for the last couple of years. And I literally just did that in The Martian. And Christopher Nolan's like, nobody's going to care. <laughs> was The Martian really it was like released right, around the same time? Right before Interstellar came oh, out. Oh, for some reason, I thought that was a lot newer. No. But yeah, I, I did think of The Martian. And actually, I spent, I knew Matt Damon was in Interstellar. So I spent like the first hour and a half of the movie being like, when is Matt Damon going to show up? <laughs> <laughs> it is random. Like, it's like, you know, he's in this movie, but when. When does he come in? But uh, yeah, that's a great movie. I also, the part, I don't know if you caught this or not, or if you knew this about the movie or not. So when they're down on the planet, when it's time is going faster for for them, mm-hmm. um, you there if you listen to the soundtrack, there's a talk, uh, clock ticking. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And every time it strikes, every time <gasps> it clicks, that's one full year that passes for, for Earth. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Now I got to rewatch. Yeah, I was very confused after that scene because I had it in my head that they were right on their prediction. And then they get back up there and I, I just kept telling Tal and I'm like, but they were only there for like 30 minutes. Like mm-hmm. they weren't there for very long. And he's like, shh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. very frustrating to watch movies with. Yeah. I I, I mean, you ruined Halloween for me. So <laughs> I know that. Yes. It was all on me. Yeah, it was. All those bad comments were because of you. <laughs> you just can't let women watch 80s horror <laughs> movies. Um. Yeah, uh, Interstellar. That's a great movie, man. So then, wait, have you watched In- Inception? Yeah. Okay. I bought, For some reason, that's like the only movie I've seen in theaters more than one time. Really? I, my friends and I went and watched it like three times. Yeah? And Yeah. Now I kind of regret that because I'm like, eh, it's not that great. <clears throat> it's pretty good, but I have very high standards now. Uh, I heard about a book that I think I might want to check out called um oh this is why i'm talking about this sorry back up interstellar have you seen arrival who's in that one um amy adams yes yeah watched that semi recently that's a really good one so related to that there's a book that a guy wrote and it has it's like the whole concept is talking about like communication with aliens right and how potentially that will never happen because they they exist in a not a different dimension or anything they they exist in ours but they the way that they perceive the world the way that they communicate is completely alien to us which arrival tackles mm-hmm. that movie tackles um but this book called the children of time is a book where 
you know, um, society is growing and getting bigger and we want to start moving out into the stars. So um, a scientist comes up with an idea where she's going to shoot some apes to another planet that they want to terraform. They're going to shoot some pla- some apes to this other planet. And then on the way, they're going to um, infest them with a virus, infect them with a virus. And the virus will like help them evolve on the planet so that they can help terraform that planet. But the apes never make it there. They all die. Um, and instead, there are spiders on the <gasps> ship. Nope, don't like this. And the spiders then evolve on the planet. Do they get big? I don't know. I know that they evolve. My guess is yes, they get big. Oh, God. And then humans try to contact the spiders, and it doesn't go super well because they they – the way that they communicate, the way that they exist is a completely different way of existing than us. Yeah. So um, so that was a really cool and interesting idea. And, and the author was saying, basically, I chose spiders because it automatically puts the reader in the position that the humans in the book will be, which is grossed out and they will hate these spiders because everybody hates spiders. He's like, my job is to make you feel bad for the spiders. I mean, that's I sort of feel bad for the spiders. <laughs> that's but... the point of the book is to, if you hate spiders, you should read this book apparently because it, it does a good job of kind of helping you get into the mindset <laughs> of the spider. And apparently there's a sequel that has octopuses instead. Nobody really hates octopi. Yeah, but they're such an alien. They're so cool looking they're, though. They're super weird. They're the way that they exist is completely different than humans already, mm-hmm. and they're like super intelligent. So I'm interested in that as well. So that sounds like a really interesting book. Yeah, and apparently there's a third one coming out, as far as I know. Oh, so it's like contemporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's contemporary. nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, you should read that one. I should. Maybe talk about it on the show yes. when we're supposed to be talking about Willy Wonka. Shit. I mean, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as you've said, you know, we're not supposed to talk about anything in particular on the chill episode. It's so. a chill episode. Yes. Yeah. We're supposed to read great reviews. Mm-hmm. Check. Talk, talk about a little bit about the book that we just talked about or the author. Check. And then whatever happens, happens. You know? you know, I started to read through the Looking Glass because I'd actually never read that one before. Yeah. And I made it like halfway and then I kind of gave up. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm forcing myself here. Once you've read Alice in Wonderland, you you know the style and. What's the know. point? Yeah. Nothing matters. <laughs> it does kind of put you in an existential mood. Yeah. Especially, I mean, like. I don't know, man. It kind of pisses me off, I guess, because it's like there's no reason to the story. She's asleep the whole time. She's just going to wake up. There's no change in Alice. There's nothing about her journey that is rewarding. It doesn't help you as the author or as the reader become better by talking to a smoking caterpillar. Shit like that. Yeah. Stupid. It's a nihilistic book. Maybe that's the point. (laughs) Maybe. I think, I I don't remember who it was, but some... I'm going to get so much hate mail. Probably. Some reviewer, because I think people have tried to like read into Alice in Wonderland and get different type of 
types of subtext from it they're like oh it's really an allegory for x y or z but some some uh lewis carroll expert was like no it's literally just nonsense just a story (laughs) written for a a 10 year old girl to amuse her and then changed around a little bit to make it like more have more flow yeah palatable yes i got that word right nailed it (laughs) i crushed it Crushed it. We've not been doing well with the words tonight. <laughs> no, it's the whiskey because I had some before you got here. Oh, that's okay. I had three glasses of wine earlier. Nice. Way earlier. Way earlier. Yes. I mean, after I was done working, but before I came here. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it takes for you to show up. Yeah. You got to get just sloshed just so that you can have, So you have to deal with me. <laughs> no, I was hanging out with my family, which was why I was drinking so much. Oh, hey, don't bust on your family. I love your family. Can we talk about a little bit about how much I love your family? You can talk about how much you love my family. Yeah. Your mom in particular. She's a super fan. She is. And she is now the proud owner of if, a lot of Between Lewis and Lovecraft swag. If Psy23 or whatever their name is ends up being your mom, not going to be surprised. I would be surprised because that would have required my mom to do a lot of things on the internet. <laughs> I love you, mom, but but not 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 gonna go on Podchaser. No, and she did not create an account and leave a review. Oh, okay, but if she hired someone to do it, she's like, "Hey, person, fr- hey, do you have a nephew? I work with you. Do you have a nephew who's good at the internet?" Great. I've got a letter I would like them to post on the internet about this podcast I like. If she went through all that work and that's what we just read, I'd Not believe surprised. it. I'd believe it 100%. She's awesome. Right here, I'm saying it. Number Love one you, fan. Mom. <laughs> you can't be her number one. Oh, she's our number she's one our fan. She's our number yes. one fan. I can be her number one no, fan if I want to. No, she's got two daughters for that. So? <laughs> hannah's mom you can come hang out with us whenever you want just hang out at the she would probably have fun doing that but yeah so tyler's saying that because my mom made a a nice donation to between lewis and lovecraft because as we alluded to she does an internet and she was never going to donate to our patreon right yeah so she gave us cash instead (laughs) (laughs) like like in a birthday card and everything it was it was perfect it was wonderful. Christmas, yeah, it was for, I was supposed to give it to you on Christmas, but right. she got to me a little too late. Yeah. Hey, if you guys want to send us just birthday cards of cash. <laughs> um, I'm still waiting for cocaine to show up in, my, <laughs> in the mail. That's right. I forgot. You're like super into cocaine. <laughs> I'm the most into cocaine that somebody who's never done cocaine can be. <laughs> Between everyone that's been on this show, you're the most into cocaine. I believe I'm, that. Maybe. I don't know. We've had a lot of, of fun guests. No, there's probably people who are actually into cocaine that have been on our show. <laughs> Here's looking at you, Allie Fitzgerald. No, <laughs> I was about to say Cameron. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cam- we'll just like start throwing everyone under Everyone's the bus here. Everyone's under the bus now, yeah. <laughs> We're probably the people that have done the least amount of cocaine compared to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> just raging drug addicts all over on our show. They have to be if they're going to agree to be on this show. Right. Um, I you know I think I think we've run the well dry a little bit. 
unless there's anything pressing, you know, in the literary world that you wanted to talk about? No, I was trying to think if I had any books I wanted to shout out that I've been enjoying lately. But... I'm listening to our next author, so I'm not going to shout them out. Yeah, I guess I won't, I won't do that either, and that's what I'm reading right now. I did read a good murder mystery, um, All Good People Here by Ashley Flowers. So give it a listen and or read if you're into murder mysteries. I'm going to be really honest. <clears throat> I've been listening to our, our next author, and her books uh, deal with a lot of people who were slaves um, or even just after slavery. Are you listening to the short story collection? Uh, no, I'm listening to uh, the God. God was Their watching. eyes were watching God. Yeah, yeah. that one. And you know me. You know me well enough to know two things about me. The first is... You're going to do a really offensive accent on the okay, next episode. Okay, stop ruining my bit, Hannah. I'm the sorry. first is I'm not racist and I do not want to make fun of any particular group of people for any, anything. But the second is I love doing you accents. You cannot do an accent on the next episode. And listening to this book, they do the accent like the, the Southern... like. I just want to talk like that all the time now because she writes it so well, and and the and the reader does such a good job. So I like have to I have to legitimately stop myself while I'm out in public listening to this thing from talking while I'm listening. Like I'll be like wiring up stuff at work around other people, and they'll and they're talking. I and I want to say what they're saying when I'm listening to it to like try it out and then i have to remember that if i do that i'll probably <laughs> be fired. sent to jail immediately straight to jail straight to jail <laughs> that's what i i know what you mean though because i i'm listening or i've been listening to part of the short story collection like i'm switching back and forth depending on what i'm doing between actually reading the physical book and listening to it and the person that does the the reading they do an amazing job with the accent yeah. I'm really bad at reading the accent because it's written in so, it's like in the phonic way that it's that yeah it and I'm like my brain just like cannot process it so it takes me so much longer to read the dialogue yeah um, so this will be more of a conversation we have in our next episode when we talk about uh you can say her name because I'm not Zora Neale Hurston thank you very much I knew it was Zora and that's it oh well, you know, I think I, that's okay. That's how she would have wanted it, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, she's a a legend. Uh, she can go by her first name only. She's all right. Yeah, the legend of Zora. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we're gonna end the episode, Ghoul Gang. Well, first of all, Hannah, how can people help us out? The best way to help us out, yeah, is well to leave a review like side 23 yeah um the other best way is to tell your friends about our show yeah um it's it definitely helps us out we don't do ads or anything like that so if if you like these this show and you want to see it grow tell a friend about it take two seconds and just shout between lewis and lovecraft at people and if you want to write in, like some of the people we uh, shouted out at the beginning of the show, um, you can reach us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. Yep. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at lewisandlovecraft. Uh, we post on Instagram every once in a while. and We you know, try to interact with people who talk to us there as well. So there's that. I feel like that was the most awkward way to describe <clears throat> just like Instagram. friendship. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
so what happens is we you follow us and then and then when we post something you you like it or write a comment or, or you write a comment and then what we'll do is we'll see that and then we'll either like the comment and or also reply to that comment and we may use an emoji if yeah. we're really trying to you know be personal and if you're like really funny or something we might mention you on the show so yeah incentive yeah <laughs> all right stay cool ghoul gang and stay safe because you know spiders and stuff <laughs> follow the spiders